When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the Tom Bernard Show.com brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Who, me? <laughs> Well, I'd like to know if I was married to a whore piece of shit. <laughs> you could just look at her license. My. Her special stripe. That was amazing. Oh my gosh. Coming by straight corn, potatoes, onions, pickles. It's not how you use them, sir. <laughs> it's really sickening that anybody would be into radio this much. It is ungoddamn believable. I think I'm going to hell. I just realized it. Thank you, Tom. You're just delicious. This is why I drink. We're here today with Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. Michael, what's going on? You know, we keep getting phone calls, and it's interesting because people try to handle a lot of stuff on their own, or they try to talk to the adjusters, or they wait, um, and they think maybe it'll cost them money if they talk to me. And, you know, we tell them it's free to talk to us. Um, I go through what their rights are and, you know, we try to help them as best we can. We don't sign everyone up. Sometimes I just give them advice and they go from there and then call us back later. But the key is, is that they don't know all their rights or they're not told all their rights by the adjuster. And that's one of the things we try to make sure that they get, you know, they get that understanding, uh, so they can help themselves and their families the best they can. And the number is? Is 800-770-7008. Or at the website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Brad, Sean, Bryant, Michael Bryant, thank you. Seeking justice for the injured, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Welcome back. Everybody, to yet another episode of the Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast, brought to you as always by Bradshaw and Bryant. Kicking off the show this week, we had Adrian Washington in studio making his podcast debut. We also get a call from Tony Price about his new book that goes to a good cause. Next on the Best of. Adrian, aren't you glad you walked in on that one? Man, I, <laughs> yeah. I was like, are they talking to me? Or? <laughs> <laughs> you should have saw the look on Adrian's mock face when he when he asked when he told the story about the class. It's like, <laughs> yeah, but that, like, wow. that but like, that happens a lot in this still in, in this country. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm not talking about the part about the other uh, woman turning to her. I'm talking about classes like that that make people feel yeah. guilty about. Yeah. 
themselves. Being a honky? Yeah. <laughs> you honky mother of <laughs> So you can keep that one in, Cass. You don't have to cut that out. Um, Adrian, yes, you sir. ever been on a show like this before? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm on a steel toe show, but, you know, this is a... Uh... Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, we don't we don't take calls for this reason. I think. <laughs> <laughs> How's everybody doing? They're, I really really like those people involved at your they're radio good, station. Man, they're, they're really good. really nice people. Good people, indeed. So, uh, have you and I met? Never. Not that I know of. I thought what I don't think I don't think we have either. And See, I was hoping you know to great today, about that, and I hear you're in Florida, so that kind of sucks. Okay, well, not for me. (laughs) (laughs) It's getting nice. I just to tell you the truth, what I'm what I'm what I'm doing right now, Adrian, is I I'm in the middle of of meeting with people in Florida, as a matter of fact, about maybe extending my contract to KQRS for several more years. So that's why we're doing this, and that's why I'm here. So that's good. That's really good. And and now everybody like Andy just went, oh. That's good. What, what are you, crazy? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Is the boy crazy? I um, I don't know. It's a situation. You know what I love about this, Adrian? You and I have never met, so I have no idea what race you are. Uh, and My, I, 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 I'll I give like you a hint. That. My name's Adrian Washington. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not as good as Leroy Buckingham. Right. <laughs> and and Adrian and I are pretty, pretty close. close. Yeah, in color. Yeah, he's a little hairier, but that's right. That. <laughs> mm, good to know. I like that. Yeah, he's my arm is. My arm, yeah, your yeah. arms. You you like white guy hairy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but a, he's that's he's, a thing. He's tatted up, so he probably killed all like his. his uh, true. Are you tatted up? Yeah, Adrian, you're tatted up. Just the arms. All oh, your arms? Yeah, that's the only place I know I can handle the pain. Damn it! I wish you get that teardrop on your eye there. Could pretend you were in prison. That'd that's be okay. Great. My brother's got one. I'll send you a picture of him. <laughs> okay. Well, good. I'm glad. I hope it's not from prison. Just uh, you know, he just wanted a tattoo. But you know what? What I'm I like about that is, I, yeah. Well, I, I can understand that. But I do like the fact that you and I have never met. I had no idea you were black, white, whatever. But I don't give a rat's ass. That's the thing that I don't understand about people. Um, there's a woman now. It's doing the late night show on NBC. Her name is I think Lori Singh or Lucy Singh, something like that. And they had to point out right away, she's the first bisexual host of a show. Who cares? Right? That's Good everything. Mm-hmm. They say that about it's, everything. It's oh, like a stat in a basketball game. It's like, who cares <laughs> if nobody scored for the first three minutes ever? Right. Like, why do you know that? Yeah. I I know. It's I I'm happy for her. if she's bisexual and it makes her happy, I'm happy for her. You don't need to go use it as a sales tool, which is really obnoxious, yeah. I think. Adrian, let me ask you a question. What, what hours are you on on the air? I'm on on Mondays from 8 to 9. Mondays from 8 to 9. Yeah. Uh, we got to get you to call into the KQ Morning Show or come in and visit us sometime because uh, you're a very funny guy, and I like exposing very like, – well, maybe exposing something. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Oh, opening just the just d- <laughs> <laughs> opening, <laughs> opening the door for, for, for funny people. The man. front door, right? The, the front door? Yeah. The front door, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the front door would be good. The back door's for me. Of the I'm glad house, you oh, God. Of the house, thank that is. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, thank the you, Tom. House, I, yeah, I appreciate yeah. that, man. I actually, oh, you seem like a very nice person. I've, uh, I tried to get down here before because I was headlining at the House of Comedy, and they told me it was for famous people, so I didn't make it. 
Who said that? Uh, <laughs> Rick. They ah, Rick will be fine. Yeah. No, Rick, Rick's actually a really good friend, and, and that's fine. But he's, now, he's a good guy. Next time you tell him, we, we know one another. Yeah, Rick's a really good guy. Yeah. Very smart guy, too. So, in any case, yeah, I want to I want to tee that up because that's uh, yeah, you're, you're just very off the cuff. Very not a lot of people can ad lib anymore, Adrian. I don't know if you know that or not. I hear that a lot after my shows. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but Tony I, I, Price I, with us. Oh, go, go sorry. No, I just I love that part of it. I think you're 100 percent right, though. No, it's a, no. There you well for once I'm right about something, <laughs> which is very unusual for me, but. Tony Price with us as well, talking about his new book. And the book is available everywhere, uh, I'm assuming, Tony. Is that right? Well, everywhere, like on our website, goldstarride.org and Amazon.com. Mm-hmm. If that's, well, that's everywhere, everywhere then, now. yeah, it's, it's available everywhere. That is everywhere now. Um, I, uh, I do have my, my, my producers telling me i got to cut loose here. So uh, oh, okay. I just wanted Sorry. to throw out one more time, that, or, or not one more time, but... Uh, I just wanted to announce to all of the listeners who are great supporters of our organization that 100% of everything that comes in from this book uh, is going straight into the foundation. Yeah, that's so the I wrote it for it. free. <clears throat> and what's the book called? Free. And Adrian, thanks for letting me in- encroach on all your time. Hey, no problem. Another example of my white privilege. Yeah, I'm going to follow your white ass right now on Facebook. <laughs> I know the white guys to follow. You're one of them, apparently. So. There you go. Tony, it's, well, it's terrific. I appreciate that a lot, Adrian. Thank you. And what's the name of the book, Tony? The, the book is called Yours Very Sincerely and Respectfully. I like it. Very good. Tony, great of you to call in. Thanks so much. And I'm sure it'll do very, very well. And uh, I heard because you put my name in the book, you're going to sue me because everybody else does. You may as well. <laughs> no, but speaking of that, uh, you know, when you, you mentioned how we met down in Punta Cana smoking a cigar. Right. Yep. Scott's name has been removed. Scott's name. Was Why? It, you Why? know, the Why editors just said. You, you, here's one of the crazy things that was removed. The part of the story, telling the story, was events that happened when the NFC Championship game was in Minneapolis. Excuse me, not yeah, NFC, right, right. NFL, but Super Championship. Yeah, Super Bowl. So yeah, I mentioned that in the book, right? And the editor said, "You cannot say Super Bowl." And I said, "Well, wait a minute. Yeah. I'm just describing. No, we were across. The, I said we're across the street from the Super Bowl. They said doesn't matter. Get it out. Yeah, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. That's true. Kind of they will sue you. It has to be the big game. Yep, yep. the big game. That's right. Yep. It's the actually big game. what you can give away the phrase that we used was the the professional football league's championship game is what we changed it to. It's <laughs> <laughs> like easy it. to say. I think that's what we changed. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, thanks for your time yeah. today. Anyway, great to talk uh, to you, sir. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for letting me on. Thanks again to all your listeners. Next time we'll uh, sit around with a lit cigar, all right? Sounds great, man. Thank you very much. Say hello to your lovely wife who's far too good for you. I will, and I'll tell you who said <laughs> that, too. Yes, please do. She's a wonderful person. Tony Price, ladies and gentlemen, in studio, Adrian. Bye-bye. Listen, what is it? Buckingham? Is it Washington? What is it? <laughs> Washington. <laughs> I know what's Adrian Washington. Being a- you know what's funny about that? Was that? Old- I had my what? wife's uh, debit card for something. I just ran in the store. She's like, just take my card. And it was an old white guy that was a clerk. And he goes, you don't look like a Laura. I said, yeah, but I look like a Washington, don't I? And he said, 
<laughs> he said, good point. He'd let me buy it. <laughs> I love it. I look like a Washington. Donut. Right? Uh, that is about, so where did you grow up, Adrian? I'm originally from Mississippi. Where in Mississippi? Greenville. Greenville, okay. I spent a lot of time down in Mississippi after the after Hurricane Katrina building uh, housing for the military down there because it all got pretty much blown away back in the day. And yep. then my partners in it uh, ripped off all the money, and uh, that's how it worked. It was just a thrill. But anyway, uh, I tell you what, you go along. Uh, a lot of time I spent was in Gulfport and Biloxi. And okay. I had a great time. That's the nice parts. <laughs> that's, that's pretty nice. Yeah. I tell you one thing. You, what is it? Uh, is it um, is it I twenty two that goes across northern Mississippi? What is it? I twenty. I twenty. I'm trying to think of one. It is I twenty. You're absolutely right. Mississippi, northern Mississippi, and Alabama. That's beautiful, man. That freeway goes through. But I will tell you one. Thing. It's beautiful if you're white. <laughs> well, no, I didn't stop. <laughs> Smart man. (laughs) One thing I did notice, and I'm not making this up, as you cross going from Memphis into Mississippi, Tupelo basically Mm -hmm. is, is, you know, right there. Yep. And there's a billboard that says, um, please help us to help children in need. And somebody had crawled up in a billboard and painted the kid's face black. I will never forget that. As wow. Well. They got, went up on the billboard to paint the kid's face black because the kid was in need. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's, people don't believe me, man. Miss, I, Mississippi's still like that. Oh, it is. Absolutely. It's so they, much like I'll that. i tell you what. Adrian, I'm not kidding you. After a few few times down there, when I would walk in, uh, walk into a store, start talking, I go, so let me, uh, let me ask you all a question. Uh, can, you get, can, can I get an Almond Joy? You know, I went with the southern accent because if you went with the the honky northern accent, you were out, man. And, and it was all white people who did it. Yeah, they, they, man. If you if you went with that northern accent, they would look at you really funny. Yeah, it's crazy because I like I never really left my neighborhood. I moved away from there when I was uh, like ten years old, and what's funny is oh, then okay. we moved to like North Minneapolis. North Minneapolis was like way too crazy because we lived my in hometown. North- yeah, we lived over north in the 80s. You know, we were right on Plymouth and Irvine, and whoo, it was rough. Yeah, really? Because, yeah, we were on Plymouth and Girard for some time. We lived in 8 billion different houses over north Minneapolis. Yeah, you, still, you, you was in the hood, Tom. I lived in the I grew up in the hood, which I'm very, very happy. I love north Minneapolis. I absolutely love it. But it's where I grew up, so why wouldn't I, right? Right, yeah. I mean, if, and, and, and it made you who you are. I think a lot of that comes from... You being so well-rounded, too, because... Because of all the people, yeah. Yeah. No, people... Every, the only people who didn't live in North Minneapolis were Asians. They just did... There, there weren't a whole lot of Asians in the entire state of Minnesota back then. Mm-hmm. And there were none in North Minneapolis, but pretty much everybody else, you know, white people, black people, a lot of Mexicans. Uh, can you call Italian people white? Because they were Italians. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> I see that for L.A. Nick. Just piss them off, you know. But... So you lived on on Plymouth and Irving. Yep, I like this right by right by. I was like five uh, houses down from North High School. Yep, yep. yep. North. Well, when I went to North High School, it was on Fremont. Did you know that? No, I did not. Were there cars? Yeah, North then? High School. You know what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, look at the time. We got to wrap it up here. <laughs> no, it. Uh, you know where the football field is, right? Yep. Over on Fremont. Yep. The, the high school used to be just south of the football field. 
Really, I was always wondering why was that football field just in the middle of a neighborhood and there was nothing else around it? Because the church's That's chicken used to be down there. Oh yeah, churches around and and uh, was the fish place too. There was church's chicken and there was a fish place and then well. Uh, Khalid El Amin had the fish. Yeah, place. he had the fish place That's right down the street. Right, he did. El Amin's. That's exactly. Yeah. Right. Yep. I, I'm telling you, it was That's a crazy. it was a wonderful place to grow up. It was just I had a ball. Ah, Adrian, you'll love this story. So we're talking the '60s, right? When I was in high school. Okay. So, and I don't know why this ever happened, but but there was a northeast door and a southwest door. And for some reason, most of the black students went in the southwest door to get in. I suppose they just came from from where they lived, and that was the closest door, and that's why they went in. But I used to go in that door myself because it was, you know, close. I used to go in both doors, actually. But one time, I'm walking up, and this young black girl holds the door for me. And as I'm walking by, I go, thank you. And she says, and I quote, that's okay, Pinky. <laughs> It was very, and I just started laughing, and then she got this smile on her face. Like, oh, good God, Pinky, huh? Unbelievable, Pinky. She called me Pay Pinky. Wow. But uh, I, we tell stories, Adrian, about North High School. One time, this this these two kids got in a fist fight, and one guy beat the piss out of the other. And the next day, the kid who got his ass kicked, mother showed up and beat the piss out of the guy to beat him up. It was Jeez. unbelievable. <laughs> That's why we moved out of Minneapolis. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. No, I don't know. what are you gonna do? Right, uh, it all works on you. Yeah, it, I, I like I said, I still absolutely love it. There's a church over on Logan that I go. You know, Mike Lindell from My Pillow, and I. Uh, they invited me over. I had a, uh, a a female minister. The head minister is a woman. What a lovely person! And and what's great about that? I think my Adrian, sister goes in that church. Up. What's the name of that church? Oh God, I didn't remember. That. I it's can on tell Lindale, you right? right? Used to be a synagogue. Okay, I think because I remember yeah. my mom complaining one time that she didn't. My mom didn't approve that there was a female minister. <laughs> oh, she didn't. She didn't like that. Nope. And it works out. But I will tell you this, and this is something that maybe people should get their head out of their ass and check out once in a while. When I would go over there and sit in on services, and then talk to them about this, that, or the other thing, they were just very, very nice. Every person that worked there, and they were all black, would always give me a hug when I came and when I went. And they would every Sunday go out and get homeless people and bring them into the church and feed them. And 99% of those people were white. So I, there are a lot of people who just don't see this this problem like a lot. I don't know. The people I grew up around did not see this problem that everybody has with skin color and, you know, ethnicity and all yeah. of this. There was a guy, last time I was there, uh, they came to get, because he didn't want to go up and kneel kneel down just to, you know, the, the prayer of thanks for the for the meal, right? Mm-hmm. And they went and got him, and they brought him and said, no, no, it's not, it's not a big deal. We just want you to be part of the group. That man started bawling like a madman. It was one of the most touching things I've ever seen in my life. So if anybody thinks that, that there, there's this horrible racial divide, maybe you ought to get out of your damn Hollywood house or you're buying your, your kids way into universities and actually go into neighborhoods and find out what it's all about. That's it. All you right? got to do is talk to people. Right. I tell people that all the time. I'm like, all you got to do is talk to people. Mm-hmm. You find out what you have in common with people. Yeah. We all have the same struggles. We all want to work we want to make a living we want to raise our kids we want to have a nice place to stay and when you have people who are gullible enough to buy into what the politicians tell you that 
if you know this group is getting more of that than you are you know that's really a problem then that's when the division happens yep you just got to know oh, what like, you you got to know what you believe in as a person who travels and i've th- i thank god that i'm from mississippi and now like and i grew up in st cloud two totally different right you know what i'm saying yeah i'm even right. in an interracial exactly marriage right. and you know what i mean so i have a very good balance was uh, that your wife's picture on your phone Yes. He's out kicked his coverage. Way. <laughs> I, kicked, I kicked three football fields. Yes, you did. I need you guys. I keep her drunk enough just to, to function. That's why. <laughs> you guys need to close out the last minute of the show because that was Catherine. I need to go pick her up at the train station because it's pouring, so I need to go get okay. her. But you got one more minute, so try to make an impression. Adrian, seriously, uh, reach out to me because I, I'd love to have you on the morning show. It'd be great. Will do, man. Thank you for everything. I appreciate it. Oh, it's my my pleasure. We'll talk to everybody soon. Hey, uh, Adrian, what what are your times of your show this weekend? Um, I'm at the Royal Comedy Theater tonight, 8 o'clock, and then tomorrow night there's a um, 7 o'clock show and then a 9 o'clock show tomorrow night. Okay. I just wanted to make sure we got that in. Okay, thank you. But I can really tell that Tom's – it's just like the old Johnny Carson thing where if he gave you the okay signal or waved you over to the couch, he really liked you, and I can tell by when Tom's – trying to get you on the show that he really has enjoyed i I really appreciate that i I, i've actually woke up super early because i was just excited about it like (laughs) because i got the message last night that i could do it and i was supposed to have my landlord supposed to come by and do something today i texted him this morning like hey that ain't gonna work i gotta go uh, (laughs) i gotta go do do a podcast (laughs) i made sure i said that part too right give me a little bit off rent tom bernard (laughs) brought me down there well thanks so much for coming in and Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. That was Adrian Washington making his podcast debut, as is the sun. First time seeing that in a while up here in Minnesota. Coming up next, we had Gianni Russo talking about his time in Hollywood and the mob next on the best of Oh, she's playing the music this, is, this still is a really good piece of music it's a really good oh, it's lovely music it's a really good movie yeah, it is. Well, it is. A, I think it's the best movie of all time. It's unbelievable. And it's amazing stars, including uh, Gianni Russo. He'll be with us in just, what, about 30 seconds? He's on Something right like now. That. Oh, he's on now. Good. Excellent. The book is called Hollywood Godfather, My Life in the Movies and the Mob. Gianni, how are you? I'm great, my man. Thank you for having me on. Well, it's our great pleasure. We've talked before. Uh, I've interviewed you uh, several times, as a matter of fact, over the last few years. Well, not the last few years, but uh, I guess we're looking. You know, that's one thing, Gianni, I, I, that I, I'm not real happy with the fact that The Godfather came out almost 50 years ago. <laughs> Man. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. it it's frightening to look back. The still being played. Oh, God, yes. It's, uh, it's as big as ever, from what I understand. The movie... Uh, I cannot tell you how many times I've seen it. It's uh, brilliant movie making. And I've always wanted to ask you this. I've never asked you this, even though we've talked before. But you actually might have been, a, a, you know, a little bit mobbed up at one point. Is that correct? 
A lot of bit. <laughs> a lot of bit. Uh, so you're, my question for you is, that scene where um, you're talking to Al Pacino, and he knows in real life that you're a lot of mobbed up, in your own words, did he ask you permission off camera if he could kill you in the movie? Because <laughs> it might have been smart. <laughs> No, I mean, everybody on that set knew how many people were real guys on that set because, you know, all of the publicity with the Colombo family, you know, trying to close it down. And then I negotiated a deal to go forward with the movie. And that's how I got the part. So, I mean, by that time, they, by the time we got to that scene, Pacino knew everybody that was, I was around and it was was a great opportunity, actually. Oh, guys, a great opportunity. There's no question about that. You did a hell of a job in the movie, too, because I guess it's because you actually lived the life. When you were on screen, it was it was really believable because you were just being you, I guess. I think so, too. That's what they say. I was a natural actor. <laughs> no, I think I think it's very, very true because that whole thing... Uh, the one, my favorite scene that you're in, though, I got to tell you, it's, it, I love this scene, and I have brought this up to you before. That one time when Sonny, James Conn, throws a punch at you when he's got you by the garbage cans, he misses you by a foot, and you still go, oh. <laughs> well, I had, you know, I was, I was doing my part. He missed his mark, and the cameraman <laughs> shot it the wrong way. We had yeah. cameras everywhere, so I can't believe they used that cut because we had other cuts where you would never see that. It's funny you should bring that up because 25 years later, we're up in a solo trope at at, uh, Francis Ford Coppola and uh, George Lucas' studio, and we're Mm -hmm. we're showing the the movie, and after 25 years, I thought they'd correct it. So we're sitting in the theater. I said, Francis, why didn't you fix that punch? I learned something about motion pictures. Once it becomes a classic and it wins an Oscar, yeah. you can't touch it. Yeah, yeah you can't. Right. It's like putting a, a smile on the Mona Lisa's face. They don't want it. <laughs> God, I have to tell That's the story awesome. here. Let, yeah, I, the, people I don't think know this, Gianni. Gianni Russo, our special guest. The book's called Hollywood Godfather, My Life in the Movies and the Mob. Um, Russo didn't have to act. He knew the mob inside and out from his childhood in Little Italy, where mafia legend Frank Costello took him under his wing to acting as a messenger for New Orleans mob boss Carlos Marcello. During the Kennedy assassination, to having uh, to go to, uh, to go on the lam after shooting and killing a member of the Colombian drug cartel, yeah, that that part was probably a little uncomfortable, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it would be for anybody, <laughs> no matter what <laughs> your life anybody. experience was. Uh, Gianni, well, the only reason happen? I went over there, well, I had a, a nightclub called Johnny Russo State Street in Vegas, and it was you mm-hmm. know, a high-profile place. And I was open 12 hours a day from 6 at night to 6 in the morning. So, you know, 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, you get all kinds of characters. But I never thought I'd get Lorenzo Morales because he was the underboss in the Medellin cartel. And then he got in a problem with his girlfriend and he broke the Cristal bottle and stuck it in her face. I guess that's what they do in Bogota. (laughs) I guess that's what they do in Bogota. Well, so you had to shoot him. Oh, yeah, no, I was just totally self-defense. Fortunately, all, all the, 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 the uh, murders I was involved with were all, you know, self-defense and, uh, and basically... <laughs> yeah, I understand I that. I, yeah, you know, oh, I got to tell you something, Johnny. I, I talked to... I don't know if you know Kevin Weeks or not. Do you know the name Kevin Weeks? 
Yeah, I uh, do. Whitey Bulger's. How do I know that name? Because no, he was oh, yeah. Whitey Bulger's well, yeah, guy. Yeah. So I'm talking you know, to Kevin so Weeks funny. about. I used to see Whitey in the valley while he was on the land. You did? I knew Whitey well. <laughs> well yeah, well, I ain't going to rat the guy out. No. The guy used to come to my house. <laughs> so you Kevin gets get out of jail. He's a maniac. Oh, God, no, he was a maniac. So Kevin gets out of jail after all those years. He killed, I think, 23 people. Um, at least that's the count, so who knows? With <laughs> yeah. permission, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I'm talking to him, and I said, uh, Kevin, I just, you know, bring some up here. I actually met you many years ago in New York City. I, uh, I was at a party, and you came came in, and, and we met. And there's a long pause. He goes, you owe me money? <laughs> I went, no, I do not owe you money. <laughs> Like, oh, that's a okay. good thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. Not to not own Kevin Weeks any money, or you, for example. I probably wouldn't want to owe you money either. I wouldn't think. Nah, I'd, I'd let it go. Believe me, you're a good man. Why did Marlon? Mar- <laughs> why did Marlon Brando try to get you fired from the set, uh, The Godfather? What the hell was that all about? Well, 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 he was such a thespian that you know, and we we were told that day when we got our call sheet. Do not have eye contact with him. Do not approach him. I, didn't, I mean, I, oh, I love God. Marlon Brando, and I'm going to follow the laws. The first time in the movie, and as soon as we had our first break, he came over to me. Hmm. So I said, I ain't breaking the rules. He's talking to me. So he said to me, you got a big movie coming out. I said, no. He said, you're, you got a TV show. I said, no. He said, you're not on Broadway. I know everybody on Broadway. I said, you're right. He said, who'd you study with? I said, study what? <laughs> with that, he thought, <laughs> He, he called Coppola over. He says, this guy's playing Carlo. He says, yeah. He says, this guy undermines my family, marries my daughter, gets my son Sonny killed. This guy's got to be a great actor. You should think this over. And I'm saying to myself, wait a minute, this guy's trying to get me fired right in front of me. <laughs> and I just had a party a couple of nights before, and everybody at the party thought I was lying, too. How are you going to get in this movie? You're not an actor. I said, I'm in the movie. Now this guy's getting me fired. I'm saying, I wouldn't be able to go back to the neighborhood. I'd get fired. Forget about it. So with this, I said, you know, and I don't know protocol on, on, the, on the set. So I said, Francis, go over there a minute. I didn't know you're getting dismissed at the director. He's in charge. And then I did the next sacrilege. I put my arm around Brando to walk him out. Dude, I, didn't want to be in I didn't want nobody to hear what I was going to tell him. So now I get him at a, at, you know, at a distance away, and I look to him close. I'm right in his face. And I said, let me just tell you something, okay, Mr. Brando? You screwed it. I'm cleaning this up because I know we're on the radio. As you screwed this up for me. I will suck on your heart. You hear me? I will kill you today. <laughs> he looked at me. He stepped back. He said, that was brilliant. He thought I was acting. <laughs> <laughs> what a great story. And that was it. It's, oh, what a great story. We became friends forever. In, South, died, in right? South Philly, we call that taking him for a walk. Put your arm around him, take him for a walk, whispering oh, yeah. in their ear. <laughs> it's a now, walk and Johnny, talk. Johnny, i got to ask you a question, Johnny. Have you seen the movie Green Book? Please. No, but I know Tony Lip. I can't wait to see. I, you know, it's so funny. I, I, I'm, That's I'm what I the thought. And you know, but not only that, we, we the films I've had and been in, uh, have won nine Oscars, so I vote. But I've been so right. busy promoting my vote. I, I, I got a pile of, of the, these, uh, they send you Screeners, these uh, yeah. movies for me to, yeah, 
So I, I have my, yeah. you know, my sisters or anybody vote for me. But I want to see the book, the book just because I knew Tony. I mean, he's not what they made him out to be. He was a knock-around guy at the Copa, and he used to help Carmine a lot. But I know him all my life, and I'm happy for his son yeah. that he got. I mean, they won the Oscar. I can't believe yeah. it. Yeah, they did. Who knows? The Maybe reason my I book bro- is going to win the Oscar. <laughs> well, I think it should win the Oscar, and, and you should be played by L.A. Nick, a nice Italian boy from Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know who's, gonna, you know who's in, the, in the mix? A nice Italian boy called Leonardo DiCaprio. (laughs) That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good, I would say. Um, I thought, Gianni, that uh, when I saw Green Book, Viggo Mortensen is brilliant in it. He's phenomenal. And I knew that you knew Tony Lip. And I think Vigo may have watched you in a few scenes through all your movies. Because he reminded me a lot of of Carlo. You know, Carlos... Oh, I think that there's no question about it. there's part there's part of you in that movie. I don't think there's any question about that, and it's great. Okay. There is a scene in it, Gianni, that you will love. Vigo Mortensen takes an entire large pizza, rolls it up like a calzone, and eats it. <laughs> it's phenomenal. Uh, Sounds like Luca Brasi to me, not me. <laughs> yeah, Luca Brasi. That's right. Sleeping with the fishes. Yeah. Uh, how long did it take you to write the book, Gianni? Well, I, it's a process because. I started writing it, and then friends of mine, even my lawyer, said, you know, you can't release this book. So I had to wait for a couple of guys to die, and there was one guy that I wish, not that he died, but, you know, I, I knew it would be a problem because he's got a, a nice chapter in my book. And uh, as God is very good to me, on March 7th, the guy died, five days before my book came out. <laughs> But I thought that would be the only guy. And it was uh, Carmine Persico, Jr. They called him the snake. And sure, yeah. Died, March 7th. Yeah, I actually saw that well, he died. Th- there's a big scene in this book. I mean, the book has many chapters. I'm talking like a film. But it's got a chapter on him alone, which I thought I'd get some repercussion from. But obviously, I won't anymore. May he rest in peace. <laughs> but he was the last guy. I, what I love about I what you I, just you said know, was. I couldn't wait anymore. God loves me. God's always watched over me. And I got lucky because he died like the next day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's funny. I'm glad You're I don't have to say that to a judge again. They don't believe me no more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. What was it like dating Marilyn Monroe and Liza Minnelli? Well, Liza was a trip and a half. She still Marilyn, is. Marilyn, it really wasn't. It was just a friendship, you know, that turned into. Oh, it was a friendship? Uh, oh, okay. So, yeah, but uh, it lasted four years. But, you know, it's at such a time in my life because I just watched her a hundred times and some like it hot. And now I, you know, I yeah. meet the lady. I couldn't believe it. And then Costello says to me, what are you doing this weekend? I said, nothing, whatever you want me to do. He said, I want you to stay in the hotel. We're talking about the Waldorf. He said, there's a lady up in, the, up in the suite that, you know, if she wants anything, check in on her over the weekend. Because he used to disappear with his family on the weekend. Only to find out it was Marilyn Monroe. I couldn't believe it. Forget it. It was like insane. But, you know, then I was around for a long time, around her, and we built up a friendship. And any time she had some free time... We'd go for like normal stuff. A walk in Central Park. She put on a disguise. We walk over to Brooklyn Bridge. She liked to sit on the other side, looking at the skyline. I mean, she was mm-hmm. just a, a, a great person who needed a hug, just like I did. You know, my, my childhood was very strange, and we had a lot of parallels. The same. And, 
uh, that's how we got close, actually. Yeah, I, I, it's understandable. That, uh, by the way, doing that, if you go to New York, ladies and gentlemen, you should do exactly what Car- uh, what Johnny's talking about with uh, with Marilyn Monroe because it is that scenery that is absolutely stunning. Looking back at the city like that, it's it's amazing. Oh my God, yeah. it is absolutely true. But I tell you, Johnny, I've always enjoyed your work. I love talking to you because you just come right out and tell the truth. The way that, I do have to ask you though, you grew up in Little Italy. Uh, and I have not been in, in New York, unfortunately, in, what, Catherine, about 10 years now, something like that? Yeah, something like that. Since you've been in New York? Is Grata uh, Azor still in Little Italy? getting smaller and smaller. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I heard. Left. Yeah, it's, it's all gentrified Same now. with Philadelphia. It's almost gone. It's and like Chinatown a couple streets. Too, right? Yeah, I know. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, South Philly. We, we can blame... Yeah, we can blame Giuliani for that. I don't know who you're going to blame. <laughs> Andrew Bruno was okay there. <laughs> well, South, South Philly still has the Italian markets, which is holding it on because people come from all over Philly to go to the Italian market. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I do that myself. Yeah, so, so South Philly will always have that little Italian neighborhood, but it has shrunk. And when I when I grew up in Philly, whole Italian families would own whole streets. So you, the Pilatas would have exactly. one whole street. The Alanoras would have one whole block. It's just the way it was. Yeah. And it's sad to see. And, you know, being mob was kind of romanticized for me as I was a kid. And, I, you know, I was born in 64, so I grew up in the 70s. And that was romanticized a lot. So I missed oh, that. Yeah. I missed those days. It always was, you know. There was that, the intrigue of the mob. I mean, look at Cagney, George Rapp. All these guys made careers out of make-believe mobsters. They, they was, there's a sex appeal about it. People are attracted yeah, to it. Yeah, there is. That's why I got ten mothers to my kids. <laughs> <laughs> God, you are unbelievable. I will close with this, and I'll, I'll do it at the very I saved it for the very end because I'm, I have to say what the man said, and it, it, it's language that needs to be edited out before this airs. But the first time I ever went to Little Italy, uh, 1980, I think 1980, 81, something like that, I go down to Little Italy, and there was a cafe. I don't know if it's still there. It's called Luna. Uh, there used to be a place called Luna oh, down yeah. in Little Italy. I was born yeah. upstairs. One, two, well, there one, you one, go. One. Yeah. So, here, yeah, I'm right on Mulberry. I walk in there, and it's my first day in New York. I'm at Luna. I'm sitting there, and this guy comes in, and the server comes and goes, uh, can I help you, sir? And a guy says, and it's like 10 o'clock in the morning, and the guy says, yeah, yeah, you can help me. Give me a fucking egg and a fucking Budweiser. <laughs> I will never forget it as long as I live. <laughs> like, I am what in New York, like? man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Johnny, uh, I do also a morning show. we got to get you booked on a morning show, too, and, and sell this book, man. Oh, we gotta, please. We gotta, absolutely. We'll book you to do the morning show. It's a KQRS radio in Minneapolis, and we'll get you on. I love talking to you, Johnny. Nice to talk to you again, and I look well, forward to talking to you on the morning time. show, too. And, and the lovely lady, always a pleasure visiting you guys and, and her. Thank you. You're a good man. Thank you so much. Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. I eat Aunt the Pasta twice just because she is so nice, Angelina. Angelina, which is sad pizzeria. That was Gianni Russo on the best of. Coming up next, closing out the show. We're opening up the Yo! Salt! 
all the way back to episode number 170 with Joe Suchere. Next on The Best Of. Angelina, I live for you. You can say whatever you want on podcasts, isn't it? I'm getting used to that. (laughs) Say say something raunchy, Joe. I just want to hear you. It's not your deal. No, it's your deal. Yeah, it is kind of my deal. Yeah, PP. I, I have a lot of, uh, I have all the anger in the group. Yeah. No, that that's not. You're really that. hung up on this anger thing. Well, I'm I'm working on it right now. You, you know, know, and it's real because oh, it is real. Well, I can tell the original story. <laughs> it's one of the great stories. But do you remember the original story? Well, I want to hear your version of the because you would know the original story. Okay, how long right. have you been on the radio? Twenty-seven years, and I'm in my twentieth year. It'll be 20 years, April 29th. So together, we've been on the air a long yeah, 47 time. 47 years. Long oh, time. Yeah, right. In 1987, the Twins are in the World Series. Now, is it? Re- do you remember? I do. Yeah. Okay. And every day during the series, you just sent bouquets of praise to the, to the uh, Minneapolis Tribune. Oh, are they covering this series great? I remember are that they now. covering That's this right. series great? Boy, how times right. change. Okay. <laughs> Our paper, we've got me writing, I Royce writing, now. other yeah. guys writing. I called out of the blue, having never met Tom, and got through to him, introduced myself, and uh, said, uh, you know, there's two papers covering this World Series, <laughs> and the St. Paul paper is doing a hell of a job. And maybe, uh, uh, maybe you might want to mention it. And he, he basically said, "Go fuck yourself," and hung up the phone. And then, and then, 25 years go by. I've never met him, never seen him. And somebody comes along, and or you, you got in a jam with. Uh, with Hmong people or something, or Asian people. Yeah, and you were very, you were great about that. Well, you and Don Shelby. Well, and I thought, well, you're getting pilloried there for uh, no reason, and uh, so I defended him uh, obliquely, and uh, and so you uh, then decided to set aside 25 years of anger that you've been harboring. No, 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 that's not true. That that only lasted about. 23 years 23 years <laughs> <laughs> because i don't know if you well you you do you ever read the comments on your on your, on your columns in the pioneer press that's a really great question because i got a lot of theories about that i okay. think it's i think it's partly to blame for the ruination of the newspaper uh, there's no question about it and here's no why. doubt about it. why do you want to grant an interview to a newspaper when you know that 400 yeah. anonymous people are going to get yep. to say whatever they want about you okay now right. forget you what about politicians or bankers or wall street guys they're going to cut off their access to newspapers because newspapers are allowing uh the anonymous people to talk to them uh no i do not read them i make a strong effort not to do it. So you didn't. You don't know about my comment then a while no. back. No. Well, it's too bad because I wrote a nice little letter to you because somebody was bitching. These people were bitching about your column. I don't even remember what the column was about. It doesn't really matter. And they edited my my. Well, you comment. posted a comment that appeared uh, after a column after one of your columns. Which yes. column? I'm trying to think of what it was because people look were all it. over your ass about. Oh, they always are. I That's know they nothing. <laughs> so my my response was, I got a good idea. Why don't we just ignore the opinion and get your head out of your ass and learn how to use the fucking language mm-hmm. by reading Joe Souchere? Oh, wonderful. Well, it's a fact. That's very you nice. Use, that's why I will I tell you. I find it hard to believe you would have said that. It's, it's in your own newspaper. <laughs> okay, I want to find it. I will tell you. Hey, you can ask these guys. 
I have been a fan of yours for two, three months. No. <laughs> for, <laughs> actually, actually, from the very from the very beginning, I, my whole deal, Joe, has always been go fuck yourself. I know. And I, it really always has. Been. And I just said, oh, okay, goodbye. It's always been there. It, I mean, it was. It's but it's always been there. Did he tell I, you why? Did he tell you he was going to come over and punch you in the face? And you said, I'm kind of... I a, said, you'll have to catch me. Or, no, you said, or, I'm, I'm wiry or I, something. I don't know. I'm pretty wiry. I'm pretty wiry. It <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> it's still one of, the, one of my favorite moments of my life was yeah. you saying, I don't know, I'm pretty wiry. It was wonderful. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's an interesting situation because you have people in this town. Well, I per, this is my personal ranking, I guess. You have people like you and Patrick... I've always admired him. I mean, the man can write his ass off, mm-hmm. just like you. Uh, I think it takes him too long to get to his lead, but that's a different <laughs> well, Sometimes it's right. buried six paragraphs down. I want to say, come on, just put that in the front. But I know what you mean. He is good. He is. Uh, he's incredible. But, you know, Patrick hasn't always uh, – a lot of times he defended me. Matter of fact, in that same period you were talking about, he, he was the first person to write a column saying, why don't you just calm down, mm-hmm. everybody? It's, you know, it's not that big a deal. But there are very few people in this town that I, I would consider to be of that ilk, I guess is the best way to put it, actually important to the market. You know, change the you, mm-hmm. you and Patrick changed the market. Mm-hmm. There's no question you did. All right? you guys have suffered similar slings and arrows too mm-hmm. throughout the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you if you show anyone that you're a Caucasian male with any success, you got major goddamn problems in this market. <laughs> well, you do to a certain extent. <laughs> you do, absolutely. but life's not bad. See, no, it's not. Yeah, life is not bad. Life, as a matter of fact, uh, life is pretty wonderful in general, and I'm adjusting to that. <laughs> Mark's looking at me like, oh, Jesus, yeah, sure, sure you are. Yeah, it's really coming, really comes across very clearly. But I mean, it's a, uh, uh, I guess it took a long time for me to, and it might be a long time. I, I mean, several years, not twenty five years, but a few years, uh, when other people behind you came along, and other people in radio behind us came along, and we all realized they're all pretty horseshit. Because they don't take the time. Well, they don't. They don't take the time to do the job. They don't understand the language. One thing I, I will tell you about listening to you that I, I really enjoy is uh, while everybody else is saying uh, take the bus, you're talking about conveyance. I like that. Because mm-hmm. somebody might learn something mm-hmm. by listening. What do you mean when you say other people don't – are you talking about other radio people that don't – Radio people uh, – well, the newspaper has now lost all their editors pretty much. Yeah. When I read the newspaper, I look at it and it's like, really? This is, this is how you edited this thing, huh? Okay. Did you do anything before you started radio? Well, I started radio at KSTPAM when I was 19 years old. Okay, so you had not had a previous career. No. But then you did have a career, right? Then I did have a career at Capitol Records, yeah. Right. For how many years? Five. And then came back to radio after that? Yeah, because we went through a period in radio where it was all liners. You couldn't say whatever you wanted to. You had to say whatever was written on the liner card. But for those five years, you were gone from radio? Yes. Okay, then you, you help rest my theory. And my theory is radio's like the priesthood. I think you should do something else before you're on the radio. No, I agree with that. Do you, do you, do you? I absolutely agree with that. I will tell you, that the reason I will guarantee you you're right, you're, you're correct about this, is I learned how to do business when I was at Capitol. Mm-hmm. And leaving radio, because it would have been just radio to me. 
It would have been just, oh, God. Yeah, but you had something to bring then. You had an otherworldly experience to bring. 100% correct. Yep. I brought back a a knowledge of business, which very, very few radio people have. And I'm not saying that it's – but, I mean, you you in the the newspaper business – yeah, you have to do business and learn how business works, and then you can go on the radio and actually, you know, be taken seriously. Well, invariably, the people that don't make it, I've discovered, are people that have never done anything except radio. Yeah, well, that's true. And they're young, and they come in, and they do a radio show, and they have nothing. There's very no substance important to offer. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> I just thought. Of, I'm sorry, but I got to throw this because I just thought of this. Um, Toward the end of my my career at Capital, I was there for five years and and had the thing pretty much wired in that my secretary cashed my check and brought the money to my house. Really? Because I just had it totally wired. It was wonderful. It was fantastic, right? So one of the last calls I ever took from the Capital Tower, the very famous Capital Tower, was a guy named Bruce Wendell. He was the uh, vice president of promotion, and he was from Philadelphia. So he calls me and says, hey, Tommy, i got to ask you a question. Uh, and he never called anybody. I mean, he was like, this guy, by the way, president, vice president of promotion in 1982 with Capitol Records. He had a Rolls Royce, a Ferrari, a house in Beverly Hills, and a house in Palm Springs on 150 grand a year. Really? That's not easy to do. No, it isn't. You've got to know a lot of people. <laughs> you do have to know a lot of people. Gee, I wonder how that ever happened. We had a lot of independent record guys making about a million dollars a year. I wonder about half of that one. Yeah. I'm sure Bruce. Not Bruce. Fuck Bruce, he's dead. <laughs> Father. Are you saying up their no, noses? Yeah. Is that where it went? Uh, yeah. That's exactly right. But in any case, just, you know, there's kind of a theme. Uh, Bruce calls me. He goes, hey, Tommy, i got to ask you a question. I said, yeah, Bruce, what's up? He goes, uh, the program director at uh, WOW in uh, Omaha called me, and he said, you told him to go fuck himself. <laughs> I said, yeah, I did, Bruce. He goes, okay, goodbye. <laughs> so it's been a long history of that. Yeah. Well, you know, Bruce told realize. the guy he'd make a call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he did. That's exactly right. Bruce was a great guy to work for. He was, he was dating Morgan Fairchild and Cheryl Ladd at the same time. Oh, yeah. That's not bad. That's was not he a looker? Bad. He looked just like Warren Beatty. Really? Wow. Just sharp dresser, got the Rolls Royce head. I mean, any show you need to get into, bro, Bruce could wire that deal. But uh, hell of a guy to work for, actually. But you're right. I left radio, and I learned how to do business. And if you don't know how to do business in radio, you, you just... Well, most radio people, on-air people, hold salespeople in complete disdain anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you got to have a little... A little uh, uh, connection, maybe, just with business. Not not direct, directly selling things, buying things, doing things, but, but have a little knowledge of how it works. And then you can kind of understand that, you know. Hey, you got me thinking about something as I look across the table at Numbnuts here. <laughs> Numbnuts that could be anybody here thought, at the table. I am always thought. Not you, Alex. I have always thought that Moeller would be good on radio. But yeah. look at him. He's a deer in the headlights. <laughs> the, the microphone's on. He hasn't right. said a word yet. He's afraid to open his mouth. Oh, no, I'm And not. I've always oh, no, said, no. I've always thought you'd no, be good to I'm host a radio show. I'm not afraid to open my mouth. That's so never wonderful. been a problem. You are today. Yeah, well, you know, guess what? You're the guest. No. I'm a chauffeur. Yeah. You you are, right. I'm the chauffeur. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, but, yeah, you're 100% correct about that. I, I uh, We're talking about that list. Uh, you and, and Patrick, uh, Dave Moore certainly is on that list. I still think he was he's the a best. Great guy, yeah. I still think he was the best, uh, the best news anchor I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. He just was had just this wonderful thing. This, 
You, you ever you spent time with him? Yes. Just yeah. a fascinating person. Hung out at the Parkway Theater. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't go in the dome. Yeah. No, Would he's you? a man after my own heart. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Gal fan too, but you know. Yeah. That's hey, a is he subject. okay? Well, Gal fan. Yeah. Well, nice. I haven't heard him on your show for ages. Okay? He retired. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, he did. Oh. He. Uh, uh, I don't mean okay in the normal sense. What's Gal fan? Qualifiers. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, you know, it's just Mike. But I will tell you something about Mike. I would I would hear things like um, Steve Cannon. I got to know Steve Cannon, mm-hmm. and I introduced Steve Cannon to Mike Gelfand. And then about a month later, Cannon would no longer talk to me. Oh yeah, and he never talked to me again. And I'm like, what the hell's that all about? Well, I find out Gelfand told him, oh, why you even talk to that prick? Mm-hmm. Right, talk about me. Gelfin so, said that uh, to Steve Gannon. Oh, yeah, more than one person he said that to. Believe me, I say that to people all the time. Not yeah. exactly. Now, two weeks late, uh, two weeks ago, I get an email from Mike Gelfin. I didn't save it, but I should have because it was the sweetest, most <laughs> loving thing I have ever read in my entire life. He's sick like, then. He's, yeah, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's not doing well. Sick. No, it was it was this beautifully. Well, he's a, another great writer. He was pretty good. He really was. He's a good was. baseball writer. He was, absolutely. He had one of the great lines that Gene Mock ever uttered. They were <laughs> in Fenway Park. And Mock's quote was, I'm tired of being cold and behind. And I thought that was a wonderful <laughs> line. A wonderful line. That was a hell of a Because they had lousy baseball. clubs. And yeah, they they're do. out in Boston in weather like this. I'm tired of being cold and behind. I'm sure that wasn't Gardy? <laughs> That was uh, Mark. Yeah. Gene Mock was the manager of the really? Twins before you no were kidding. around. Yeah. yeah, He's been around for 62 years. I yeah. Know. And who's um, leading off tonight, Joe? Who's leading off again? Probably Hicks. It is. They there, haven't yeah. sent him down yet? No. Or at least you don't run it out. Ninth, maybe. No. Well, I didn't get a lineup. I don't know who it is. Is he batting 100 yet? No. Zero no. six seven. Okay. So is that what it is? Zero six seven now? Yeah, he, he uh, when he didn't hustle. I don't want to be known as somebody who knows those things. <laughs> I, agree. I agree. I mean, I know his batting average. Come on, yeah. I'm not trying to do the sports. I'm the speed bump on a sports station. I'm the only non- <laughs> I'm the only non-sports segment. Really? Do you think rookie's a sports? No. Think about. No, he's not. No. You know I what like rookie's gift, gift is? What's that? Happiness. He is very him joyful. Too. Is he a joyful guy? Yes. Tony is a is really he, nice he's a guy. Happy, yeah. happy he's, guy. he's a golden retriever. You come in on Mondays. Guy. Hey, you come in on a rainy Monday, February. Right. It's like the 4th of July to him. Yeah, it's amazing. Oh, God. I don't he's get a happy it. kid. He's Why? Just, you got to get over this, man. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. You've got a beautiful daughter. you got a kid here who doesn't know what he's doing. He's down there at the end with his fingernail clipper, but he looks out. <laughs> Little Manny Petty. He's on uh, his phone. I don't, you know what he's doing? I don't. He's playing a video game. Oh. What are you doing? He's trying to find a decent guest. <laughs> oh! <laughs> There's Mark Moore. ladies and gentlemen. The zinger. Hard. Welcome man. to the party, Gold, Mark. baby. Gold. That is very, very but hard. But Brooks not a sports guy. Not really. No, he's not. No. no, he's not. Which is why I enjoy him. I don't like radio people on the radio. Uh, you, Pat, rookie, you're not radio people. I mean, you're not. I think of myself now as a radio guy. But, I mean, not in the... I just don't have your anyway. voice. Yeah, that's that's my mother's fault. It's a nice voice. Well, she did a nice job. Yeah. She does a, her, What, she kick getting, you in the throat when you're about no. two? She had a deeper <laughs> voice than I. I'm, 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 I'
Uh, Mrs. That whiskey Ms. voice, I love that. Yeah, it was a cigarette voice. Yeah. She didn't, well, not a big drinker. Oh, God, very quick. I, I wish you had met my mother, actually. I wish everyone had met yeah. my mother. She was an amazing, amazing person. When did you lose her? <clears throat> Five years ago, uh, she was <laughs> a great story about Toots. She's on. She's very, very religious, Roman Catholic. So am I. Yeah, we we grew up. You know, went to. Yeah, Saint but Anthony. I still go to mass. No, you really? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. We got to get, to get Tom back there again. I yeah. still go. Yeah, that's all I need. You know, hanging around with a bunch of priests who drink too much. I keep sending them the invite. <laughs> that's next in the process. Yeah, Start exactly. going back to church. Oh, can you imagine oh. me at church? He starts delivering his little sermon. Joe, I yeah, uh, when, bullshit. When this all went down, I sent him a little email about doubting, it was doubting Thomas Week yeah. at the church. Yep. No response from Tom whatsoever. Well, what doubting Thomas was the uh, <laughs> the week after Easter. That's what yes, I mean. That's, that's when this exactly all. That's right. when this all happened. Was Thomas the, didn't believe you? Yeah. Put your hand in here. You think I was right. faking it up right. there? Put your hand in my hole in my side here. You doubting Thomas. <laughs> and Jesus says, "Peace be with you," which is what I sent to Thomas. Yes, he, you did. No yeah. response whatsoever. I <laughs> actually sent you back GFY. No, you Don't so Toots is on on her deathbed. She she had been in a coma, and she wakes up, and we're all standing at the end of the bed. And she looks at me and says, "Where'd you get that shirt?" <laughs> well, she's been in a coma. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, and I, unfortunately for me, I I was out of town when she actually did. I got the news that my mother had died. I woke up one morning in Florida, and uh, sat down to do the show. Is about five thirty five. We go on the air at five thirty seven. At 5.35, I opened up my uh, Gmail, and there's a note from Vince Flynn saying, Tom, I'm sorry about the death of your mother. Mm-hmm. That's how I found out she had died. Really? That is so weird. No Ouch. one had called to tell me. Do you have brothers and sisters? Six of them. And they never called you? They never called me. Are you in touch with them routinely? At uh, arm's length. I love them over there. Okay. You know, it's one of those deals. And that's only, Joe, because of there is this misery and we all handle it our own particular way. And being around each other, if all seven of us ever got together in the same room, the, the, the misery would be overwhelming. Where are you in the seven? <laughs> right in the middle. I'm the, old, I'm the oldest of seven. Oh, you are? Yeah. How many brothers? Uh, two brothers, four, four. There's three boys, four girls. Three boys, four girls. Yeah. It's tough, that math thing for you, isn't it? I have to think. <laughs> Jesus. I didn't have a God, it's not even so, a stick. So the great thing about about yeah, yeah. just to wrap it up, Sean, yeah. in one second. So... Last time I saw her, I was holding her hand, and she said, Tommy, I don't think I'm ready to die. Mm-hmm. And I said, Mom, what are you talking about? You know, hardened Roman Catholic, you, you love Jesus, you get to meet Jesus. And she adored the Virgin Mary because mm-hmm. yes. of the idea of a female deity, Just she was knocked out by that. She loved that. And I said, Mom, you get to meet the Virgin Mary, you get to meet Jesus. She goes, don't give me that. <laughs> So I said, okay. okay. Everybody else gets religious when they're dying. Yeah, and you're, you're dying. The you flip it. Yeah. It's like, ah, bull. But, but Joe, know, as, a, as a Roman Catholic, the woman went into unconsciousness on Good Friday and died on Easter Sunday. How about she that? Did. Yeah. She How absolutely that? did. That's fantastic. She was a great, great mother. There's I no actually, I was on my way to Mass, and I said to my wife, I'm going to stop by the hospice where she is. Mm-hmm. And I went over there and grabbed everybody's hands, and they were praying the rosary, and then she... Uh, died right after well, that. Good for her. Yeah. Why didn't you call Tom? Well, yeah, nobody <laughs> yeah. called Tom. Nobody was, called. Because he was asked Florida you got and everybody else is here. Yes, me. So where'd you get that shirt? Okay, <laughs> it reminds me of my favorite shirt story. You know Aaron Kahn? Aaron okay, Kahn, yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, great writer. He's now doing private work. Mm-hmm. Uh, tough uh, uh, Jewish father. 
and he uh, his father gives him just a true story. His father gives him two shirts for Hanukkah. So Aaron takes puts one on, comes back down. The old man says, "What's the matter? You didn't like the other one?" <laughs> well, there you go. That, that Jewish uh, guilt. Yeah. No, that, well, that Jews be... and Catholics share a lot of guilt. They do. Yep. They do indeed. Yeah. We're kind of like the conduit between Jews and Protestants. Yeah, we really yeah. are. Yeah. Now, Sean will tell you, Alex will tell you, and Andy will tell you. Toots at the end of her life used to buy Hanukkah paper whenever Christmas was after Hanukkah because it was like. 25%. So you get all your Christmas gifts wrapped in Hanukkah paper. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, that? one Christmas, all of our presents were wrapped in Hanukkah paper, and we were like, oh, sad, she doesn't know. <laughs> she knew. She yeah. knew. And, and then somebody brought it up like it was one of, it was you or one of my uncles, and they were like, hey, mom. Going with the Hanukkah paper, then she was like, "It was half off." It was, yeah, and we were like, "Oh, cute!" So she didn't like not realize that it was actually Hanukkah. Paper. Smart shopping. One more. Question. <laughs> the reason that that I wanted to talk to you on a podcast is for storytelling. Anyway, you know, yeah. it's not an interview. It's not. It's just a, I want to hear the stuff. Like you didn't like the other right, one. You didn't like that's the other one? what I want. <laughs> but uh, final to its story, she uh, did not drink. She would have a you know, drink, one drink a year. Unless probably. she was with my mom. Well, Catherine, my lovely wife, uh, new to the family that year, she comes over to my sister Vicky's house for, for Thanksgiving. And Catherine says to my mother, would you like a Bailey's and coffee? My mother doesn't know what a Bailey's and coffee is, so she says, sure, I like a Bailey's and coffee. She thinks it's like some hazelnut-flavored coffee. Sure. She just thinks it's coffee. So none of us are paying attention because we think my mother's drinking coffee and cream. <laughs> Uh, about an hour later, <laughs> his father walks by my mother, and she grabs him by the arm <laughs> and goes, Sometimes you can be a real asshole. <laughs> to my brother, her son. And I said, Mom, what? what? And I said, What are you doing? And, and I looked at Catherine. I said, Catherine, you weren't giving her alcohol, were you? She doesn't drink. She said, well, I gave her like four or five Baileys and oh, coffees. No. My mother's oh, wow. hammered. Wow. Thank God she didn't have Twitter. Okay. Thank God she didn't drink. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. Runs in the I'm going to keep ripping yeah, you for that one. That's a Baileys talking. Actually, it was really good red wine talking. That was a did wonderful you, thing. Tom, did you ever see the picture where Grandma uh, had fallen asleep in the floor? It was Christmas. and and you know, sleep on the floor. That's yeah, nice. well, she'd... she'd Go to sleep at nine o'clock right after put, praying the rosary every night. Right, and she had fallen asleep at Christmas time, and everybody's kind of hanging out. And uh, Uncle Pat O'Brien put a bottle of whiskey in her. Oh, and that's right, I snapped a photo of that's her. That's great. And she <laughs> was on a on a rampage to go find that photo and have it destroyed. Oh yeah. Localized flooding, sure. But at least we got an extra hour of sunlight and another episode of the Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast, brought to you as always by Brad Sean Bryant. Great clips this week from Adrian Washington, Tony Price, Gianni Russo, and Joe Suchere. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next week. <laughs>